Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number 22. going to talk about adjunct issues and the uh, upcoming upcoming National Adjunct Walkout Day. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is that most faculty at uh, community colleges and universities are actually part-time. Uh, they get paid relatively very little money and uh, with with no benefits and no job security. So uh, I talked to Alan about this to talk about um, kind of what the problem is, where it came from, and hopefully something we can do about it. So I hope you enjoy. Um, once again, my name is Eric Marshall. I'm your host every week here on the Wet Podcast uh, every Friday. You can find show notes at ericmarshall.net slash wet. Uh, this is episode number 22 with Alan Trevithick. Please, if you have time, uh, give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. Or uh, even drop a comment in, on the show notes at ericmarshall.net slash wet. That's Eric with a K. Marshall with two L's dot net slash wet. And you can find me on Twitter at emarsh. Enjoy the interview. Alan Trevithick of um, you at Fordham University. I'm at three universities actually: Fordham, LaGuardia University, CUNY, and uh, West uh, Westchester Community College, which is SUNY. Okay, and uh, we'll definitely talk about that. Why you're at several universities? Because today we want to talk about um, adjunct issues and and kind of issues of teaching in the university. And I want we're going to talk about some things that. Um, that some people in the audience will probably be quite aware of and some people will not. And I think that for those who uh, are not aware of the issues that go on with teaching at the university level, this might be really eye-opening. Um, and for those who already know about it, it might give you some food for thought. Um, and the occasion you know, of us talking is, is the uh, upcoming National Adjunct uh, Walkout Day and National Adjunct, uh, I think it's called Awareness Week or Action Week, depending on uh, who, you, who you ask. So, <laughs> that said, um, you know, I, I asked you on to the show because you, you've been vocal in a lot of different, um, I guess, arenas in talking about adjunct issues. So, um, where should we start? Well, why don't we start with talking about uh, the, the problem, which is something yeah. that has... Uh, accelerated over 40 years. I think we're in uh, kind of the final acceleration of a process that has uh, uh, been very damaging to 
faculty part-time and, and full-time both, and it started back in maybe the early 70s, and it's ongoing today. It's basically just the uh, replacement of uh, decent full-time faculty positions with very poorly paid, very badly supported part-time faculty positions, adjunct or faculty positions to the point where, you know, we get anywhere from 50 to 60 up percent of faculty at a given college and university who uh, are simply not able to make a living at that one institution and have to work elsewhere. And, and what this is doing to higher education altogether, I think that's the subject. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, it, you said 50, 60% up. I mean, it's way up in some places uh, in terms of part-time workers. Um, uh, what about you, Eric? Do you know what percent it, it is uh, where you're working now? You know, I should have been prepared for that question, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't know what it is that you, you didn't want to look. Actually, I can look. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to look. I have been at places, though, uh, especially community colleges where, where it's it's approaches 90 percent, where it's it's above 80. Um, yeah, uh, certainly. Certainly at Westchester Community College, which is one of the places where I work, it's uh, it's and and um, in the CUNY system. Generally, I couldn't say for the whole system. I think at LaGuardia Community College, it's uh, definitely uh, 60 or, or so percent. But yes, that's the trend, you know, and yeah. it's worse at community colleges than, than elsewhere. Yeah, very, very much so. I've, I've been in a couple of community colleges where in the particular department I'm in, there's only one or two uh, full-timers and everybody else is part-time. Right, Exactly. You know, one, one place that you can look, I mean, we might mention this uh, for your listeners, which is that if you just Google MLA, Modern Language Association, and you get their main website, which is just MLA.org, this isn't a plug for the MLA, you understand, but, <laughs> and, you, uh, and you scroll down in the middle of the page, it says advocacy. Mm. In the middle of that page where it says advocacy, it says Academic Workforce Data Center. Excellent, and yeah. You click on that and you type in your institution uh, and uh, it will give you a view of what has been happening in your institution in terms of full-time tenure track or tenured faculty and non-tenured track faculty part-time and, and full-time. It's really easy. You see, they've crunched it for you on there, the, the MLA site, from the federally reported uh, numbers, which are not always accurate, by the way, because some of these people, uh, some of these colleges, really, they don't tell the truth. Uh, right. but, it's, but, it's, <laughs> but it's pretty close to what's going on. And, and then you can see they have numbers on that MLA site from 1995 until 2009. Yeah. And uh, so that's about kind of half of the 40-year period that we're talking about, I would say. Uh, and it's the latter half where things have gotten really bad. And uh, I just, for instance, looked up my one of my own places. Again, it's Westchester Community College. And in 95, it says um, there were... Uh, you know, 23% uh, 
that were tenure track faculty, uh, and uh, these days it says it's forty percent tenure tra- uh, track faculty, and that's the source of my complaint that uh, some of these people don't tell the truth because actually <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, back at twenty percent or something like that. Uh, okay. But anyway, have a look at that. Uh, it's just a very easy way for you to find out what's going on in your institution. I'm looking at that right now for uh, University of Michigan Dearborn, which is where I teach. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm seeing um, tenured and tenure track. It says it went up from 1995 to 2009 from 31% to 36%. Could be. Yeah, could be. And then the full and part time non tenure track went down from 10 to 7%. For full time, oh okay, and then for part time, oh, it's still at fifty. Oh, it's forty six point nine percent right now. It's still down from ninety five, but it's still forty six percent. That's interesting, huh? Okay, <laughs> that's a that's an interesting number, but it's still fully half, you know. And yeah, exactly. Uh, and I know that you know, if I, I'm sure if I t- uh, typed in some of the community colleges I've worked at, it'd be the numbers would be much much different as well and you know when we say i i, I say part-time faculty some people use the term adjunct um it, it's it's different in different places as well um some people use the word contingent faculty but what we're talking about is is people who teach at the college or university level right who are not um on a tenure track and who are usually not full-time employees right is that a good uh, definition um, yeah, that's what I would say. Another way of thinking about it is that any adjunct or contingent faculty member is a person who somehow or another does not enjoy the full traditional benefit of being a full-time traditional uh, faculty member in uh, the kinds of colleges and universities that we, you know, we remember from, from the past. And yeah. there's a whole variety of... Um, possibilities of falling short of that traditional full-time tenured uh, category. Uh, And they're all bad, but some of them are much worse than others. And so when you hear the term part-time adjunct, a person is a part-time adjunct very often because they're not allowed to work more than uh, so many classes per semester at a particular place. So there's an artificial barrier to them working, uh, but there are other faculty who are contingent faculty who may be allowed to take a full-time course load, uh, but they're never going to be able to get tenure, and they are probably paid at a much lower uh, rate, and their benefits may be uh, considerably less if they have benefits. Again, I tend to use the part-time adjunct faculty member as a kind of the gold standard <laughs> for thinking about the exploitation of faculty. Yeah. Um, because they're kind of at the bottom of the barrel. And I would say that, again, over about 40 years, they're the fastest growing uh, segment um, of the faculty as well. So yeah. one rather grim way to think about it would be uh, that's where we're all headed in faculties if we don't get our act together. Yeah, that's 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 one way to to look at it. It does seem to be the trend. Yes, ab- absolutely, without without question. 
Yeah. And, you know, there again, there are some things that you can look at here that, um, you know, will we'll help you uh, and your, your listeners have a look. If you Google the name of this report, who is Professor Staff? You're going to get some different articles on it. And, <laughs> I, love uh, the t- I love the title yeah. because it has to do with so the fact. You a joke, right? <laughs> right, yeah, because when, when adjuncts are listed on the schedule, they're usually listed as staff. Right. Yes, that, that's right. Right. <laughs> and uh, so this is something that uh, uh, inspired um, a group, including a group that uh, I'm uh, very much associated with new faculty majority uh, in uh, combination with another group called Center for the Future of Higher Education or Campaign for the Future of Higher Education. One of our problems in this ad, uh, adjunct advocacy business is we have too many uh, too many acronyms, and you yeah. know, whenever we're described, we're always described as a a loose coalition and so forth. Mm-hmm. But this report, uh, again, called "Who is Professor Staff and How Can This Person Teach So Many Classes?" Um, <laughs> is primarily put together uh, by. Uh, uh, the president of New Faculty Majority uh, and uh, various uh, people helping her out. That would be Maria Maisto, Steve Street, the late Steve Street, and Esther Mervis put this together. Any of your listeners who are not you know, familiar with this problem uh, could have a look at who is Professor Staff and, and learn quite a lot uh, in a, in a you know, in a kind of palatable, fairly easy to uh, digest way, pr- pretty quickly. That's great, and I'll put a I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Which excellent. Uh, okay. Yeah, people can find those at uh, ericmarshall.net slash wet, and I'll put it in the show notes for sure. So we'll have links to that and to the MLA dot uh, org as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. you know, it doesn't take much research, I think, on the part of. Uh, you know, concerned people to figure out that this is a situation that uh, we we should be very concerned about. You know, again, over the last 40 years, what you see is um, the absolute reversal of what you would think of as the normal circumstance. Uh, the normal circumstance would be that in universities and colleges, you have a majority faculty that is full-time, relatively well-supported, uh, and is able to devote their uh, working uh, life and commitment to a particular institution to the benefit of the institution and, of course, the students. And you see this really flipped, you know, with, with uh, people, adjuncts, uh, beginning with uh, uh, teaching assistants, graduate student teaching assistants, and then moving on into these uh, adjunct positions that are very temporary. Most of them are one semester types of, of positions, uh, which create a lot of instability in the institution as a whole. And uh, it's a flip that uh, people are really unaware of. The policymakers are unaware of it. Politicians seem to be unaware of it. You know, at the moment, and conventionally, both political parties, for instance, will point to higher education as a kind of pathway into the middle class or a way of maintaining one's 
middle class position or improving one's position. And the only argument that we have in the general uh, political domain is uh, how it should be uh, paid for. And that discussion completely ignores the fact that you have an increasingly impoverished faculty at the center of this theoretically highly cherished institution that is supposed to transform and improve people's lives. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good way to put it. You know, you have, you know, everybody says college is the way, like you said, to the middle class life, um, both sides of the aisle, people, you, you know, that's that's important to go to college. But when it comes to funding, the funding's not there. And when the funding is there, it's not necessarily for instruction. Um, we could talk about Scott Walker in Wisconsin if you wanted to, but we probably should probably stay away from that. I, I, I'm happy to say a little bit about uh, <laughs> what I call the governors, because mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not just... Uh, uh, the governor of Wisconsin is it? No, uh, no, it's not. We have a sort of, um, unfortunately, we have a sort of passel of governors who are exactly uh, ex- they exactly exemplify what I'm talking about. They're people who point to the benefits of education, and then with the other hand, they're very keen on withdrawing any kinds of, of resources. Yes. And, and especially if, if they regard instructional, uh, instructional staff, which is one of these ugly words for faculty. Right. And, if, and I kind of like the word faculty better than instructional staff. <laughs> yes. Uh, because faculty are clearly the traditional core of any kind of school. What kind of school would we be talking about? And Governor Scott and the others are big fans of the substitution of technology for people as well in the interests of cutting costs and uh, and so forth. And they really have hijacked the um, uh, the rhetoric about education. I mean, think about it. Uh, there are things like uh, access, you know. Who could be against access to, to higher education? Access, opportunity, right. uh, opportunity, completion rates. Who could be against you know someone completing their college education? Right. Uh, but these terms, uh, you know, like access, opportunity, achievement, uh, we really have to kind of wrestle these terms back. I think in in the faculty, adjunct or otherwise, in, in higher education. Uh, because we, we can't have other people kind of, shall we say, selling our services short um, and not allowing us to have any input yeah. in, into uh, how, what these services mean and what they meaningfully can be either. Yeah, I think that's a, a huge issue is uh, is voice of the of the instructors. So the the problem nationwide, though, is you know it, it's you're right that it's exemplified by uh, a bunch of governors, especially here in the Midwest. Um, but the, the nationwide, it's less and less money for education um, on the state and national level. And what happens is then we have colleges resorting to hiring people on a part time basis. 
which is the crux of the problem. Because a lot of students don't know this. When a student walks into a classroom, they just see they see a professor. They don't know they don't know an adjunct from a full time professor from anything else, right? But then what they don't know is that a majority of the professors in front of the classrooms are getting paid very little, often have to work at three or four colleges, um, don't get benefits, have very little voice in what happens at the college or university, um, and are pretty much invisible in a lot of in a lot of respects, right? And that's that's yes, I I, I certainly agree. Uh, I I, I want to kind of push back a little bit on your idea uh, that. Uh, there's a kind of financial crisis, and you used the word uh, that administrations are resorting to the hiring okay. of, of adjuncts. Because I, and I'm always pushing back on this whenever I I, okay. I, I apologize. But the, the issue no, no, <laughs> issue is this is a this is an old old trend again. It's 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 forty and more years old. The replacement of decent, reasonable, full-time faculty positions with uh, part-time or other uh, lesser types of positions. It's really an old process. It does have something to do with money, certainly, because, yes, it is cheaper to to, uh, hire um, part-timers, for instance. Certainly it is. But the idea that this is something that universities and colleges have had to do, that's the thing that I want to fight back against. Because, again, if we think about the history of this, a 40-year-old process, do we really want to pretend that for 40 years things have been so bad that we've had to have this kind of uninterrupted trend of replacement? And I think the minute you do that, you'll see that that doesn't really make sense to, to think that way. What's happened, I think, on the contrary, is that management in higher education, and again, not just in the, uh, at the state and national level, you know, where we're seeing uh, resources being withdrawn from public sector higher education, but in the private sector as well. Basically, managers, administrators of higher education have made certain kinds of decisions about what they want to spend money on. Uh, And as they have seen savings really accrue from the hiring of what I consider to be essentially exploited faculty labor, they have gotten used to it. Mm. And when they have gotten used to it, uh, you will see these, these expenses on things like buildings and marketing and other kinds of non-instructional expenses, they've gone up, including, of course, administrative salaries, numbers of administrative positions, and and so forth. So the way I think of it is not that we're falling on hard financial times in higher education, we have to resort to the exploitation of faculty. I think of it as kind of the other way around. You know, administrations have gotten used to this, they've seen a savings from it, and in their own competitive schemes, uh, they have used what I consider a kind of surplus that adjunct and contingent faculty are subsidizing to take up all kinds of other projects. 
the difference between administrative salaries and in even full-time faculty is probably pretty large, right? Oh, it, uh, yes, indeed. Yeah. It's gotten it's gotten larger and larger and larger. And I'm glad you said that's about full-time faculty because their salaries, you see, yeah. they have stayed pretty flat, actually. Mm-hmm. They sure have, yeah. I, do, I, I totally do not want to give the impression that anything I'm saying is a, is I'm not picking a fight with full-time faculty by, by any means. They have suffered a great deal um, from the adjunctification of their own profession. Yeah. Their salaries really have remained quite flat, um, indeed, whereas administrative salaries, especially at the top, they have gone way up without any any question. And also, full-time faculty members, as they have found themselves a kind of dwindling minority, uh, depending on the college and university, but generally throughout the nation, that's the case, as they become a dwindling minority, uh, not only are their salaries flat, but they find themselves taking on more and more uh, administrative labor because, first of all, they have to hire every time they turn around all kinds of temporary adjunct and contingent faculty and kind of keep their eye on what's going on there. And when they hire them, the adjuncts and contingents, they can't really rely on them to do the kind of curricular and committee work that is part of the normal work of keeping a university or college uh, functioning. So that begins to fall, again, on, on, uh, on their own shoulders in those dwindling numbers. Right. So it, so it hurts everybody, really. It, um, it, totally, faculty. Yeah. it totally hurts everybody. Yeah. That's a big message. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, 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 uh, I mean, the, I appreciate the pushback because, you know, I think uh, we all need to be educated on this. And I think you're right. It's been going on for quite a long time. Yeah, and, and, and it's the first thing, by the way, Eric, it's the mm-hmm. absolute first thing that our opponents will, will start talking about. Yeah. How can you be talking about putting this burden on the higher education system at this moment where your country needs more higher education? Needs to provide more access and opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, right. for desperately larger numbers of deserving s- students. Yeah, who How are paying. Can come yeah. to us with these problems. Yeah, and we well, are the suffering. students are paying more and more in tuition every year as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, on, on top of it, you know. So. Uh, yes, but then there are these kind of strange, um, you know distortions inside that picture because after all uh, president obama has just started talking about free community colleges right right, right yep, yep. Uh, and um you know who can object to that on the progressive mm-hmm. side right C- certainly not me right same uh, but on the other hand uh where is the discussion actually of costs yeah not from a kind of right-wing um sort of automatic opposition to public expenditure point of view, but from the point of view of how are you going to support the labor that keeps these um, institutions, these allegedly extremely important social institutions functioning. Yeah. Where's that discussion? Um, So there's some strange things in the rhetoric, in, in the public rhetoric. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I remember uh, just as an anecdote, um, I was uh, 
part of the uh, bargaining committee for a graduate student union years ago at Wayne State University in Detroit, and they were the the you know the first line is always we don't have money we can't pay you sure anymore. we can't you know and no. we were looking through we did a FOIA request and we were looking through the uh, budgets and we found that the the budget for gardening you know like flowers lawns and stuff the gardening budget <laughs> would have paid for it was like. There's like five or six graduate students for a whole year, you know. It, was, it might have been more than that, actually. I don't remember the numbers, but it was like it was huge. Just the gardening budget, it was wild, you know. But then we got to the, you know, the president's salary, and we were yeah. like, kind of our jaws dropped. We were like, "We what?" So yes, I think I, know. I think you're I think you're right, you know. And I think that to me, one of the biggest problems is that. Those in the industry are—I call it an industry—but you know, those in the in the profession. And now you're calling it an industry. I know. Okay, I know. I can't this I just, is how the language works. I can't believe I just no, said pe- that. To be honest with you, people start saying these things, and <laughs> right. before you know it, you're saying. Them. I know. I can't believe I just said that. That's so crazy. Um, I'll keep that in in editing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the people in the profession, like are, everyone's, kind of vaguely aware of it. You know, and I think that the uh, when it comes to full time, you know, full time faculty, they're aware, and and the people I've no, I've run into, and the people I know in full time are are generally sympathetic. Um, administration, not as much, perhaps, but the people who are in the position of being adjuncts, which is the majority of the of of the instructional faculty, yeah. um, most of them feel helpless. They feel alone, isolated, um, invisible. And, you know, it's, you know, I think there's a great opportunity for education here in terms of trying to lay out exactly what the problem is, how we got here, and then what what's the solution? Like, what's a possible solution? And, you know, I mentioned unions earlier, and I know that... Um, People have different opinions of of unions and what they might do, but you know where I work, we have a very strong union for uh, for our part timers, and uh, it's been, I mean, we're we're better off than some than a lot. Yeah, that's uh, where good. I work, you know, but can I ask you, Eric, what is yeah. your sort of median uh, price uh, per uh, uh, wage per course under uh, under whatever uh, agreement you've got? Yeah, so um, the University of Michigan is split up between uh, the Ann Arbor campus, which is uh, what many consider the main campus. Sure, it's the big, yeah. it's the big campus, that, and then there uh, there's Dearborn and Flint campus, and there are different salaries for both for different campuses. Uh, where I am in Dearborn, we're looking at um, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say it's between three and four thousand per course for four credit course. Right, mm-hmm. and we do have benefits. We have uh, health benefits, um, optical, and uh, some other things that I'm not remembering. So, which is unusual in my experience um, in a in a part time position. And the other thing about us is that we are not like a lot of places are limited. Like uh, I've taught places where you're limited to two classes per semester, so they don't they don't want to put you above half time because once you're above half time, they have to then start giving you benefits. But the lecturers at University of Michigan are allowed to to work more than that, um, and we're called lecturers. We're not we're not ad, we're not called adjuncts. Um, it's still it's a strange it's a strange thing because it's not like being an adjunct at other places, but it's not like being full time either. It's a little bit of both, you know. But well, yeah. um, 
uh, right next door at the at Henry Ford Community College, where I where I've taught before as well, you're looking at about eighteen hundred dollars per class per semester with no benefits whatsoever. And I think that's closer. I, well, to yeah, I think I I think the uh, the national median is just above three. Okay. A or something like that per course, and that's basically with no benefits. Right. Right. Um, right. And you know, so it's certainly better to have four and, and some benefits. But there are those, and I'm one of them, who I don't think that's enough. I think we need to really start thinking um, uh, in in more dramatic terms. Which, by the way, uh, if you were to, uh, uh, for instance, search faculty advocacy campaign with 15K per course, you'll see that uh, the Service Employees International Union comes up, but actually you can see it uh, that is being reported by the California Faculty Association. You know, Service Employees International Union has become, uh, I think, to the chagrin and uh, unhappiness of some of the older faculty unions, AFT, NEA, AAUP-affiliated unions, I think. Uh, But they have been very active and I think very creative in trying to organize and advocate for for adjuncts. And my view about unions is that, you know, we we live in 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 a mixed economy in this world. Obviously, in, in the United States, obviously, the uh, membership in unions has gone way down over the decades. Uh, uh, but when it was up, as we know, it didn't just benefit people who were in unions. It benefited other people as well. Yes. And so uh, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a big, uh, you know, comity person in this regard. Whatever anybody's doing in any union or in any private initiative at uh in ununionized uh, types of places. I, I'm for it. You know, pressure can come from a variety of places. But again, I'd urge people to look. Um, I'm just looking at the California Faculty Association website right now. And uh, again, uh, as far as comity goes, uh, you can see SCIU is uh, launching a faculty advocacy campaign that puts a $15,000 price tag for courses taught by lecturers. $15,000. I think, you know, uh, that's kind of shocking for us to think about, those of us who've been making whatever, 28 or 30, uh, uh, 3,000 or 3,200 or whatever. And even for you, Eric, who I guess making up to 4,000, 15,000, gosh, that sounds like a terrible uh, pressure, you know, to go back to the financial uh, aspect of things. But in fact, you know, if you ran that through uh, the right uh, calculations, you would see that that's beginning to be kind of pro rata pay, you know, equivalent pay. Right. You and me and all the other adjunct and contingent brothers and sisters who are running the higher education in this country, we are teaching all the same courses especially at the undergraduate level and sometimes even into the MA level, we're teaching all of the courses keeping higher education afloat. We're not teaching different courses. You know, like I I generally, we say that uh, average adjunct is getting paid only one third at the most 
uh, of what a full-time faculty member might be making for teaching the same course, and they're doing it without any any benefits. Right. But you know, the student is pay- isn't paying more for it, right? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> okay. So, so what's going on here? Is the, is this or isn't this a market economy? You know, where you, where you get what you pay for, so to speak. Yeah. You know, there are all kinds of strange, hidden, and lost, and and veiled costs uh, that are in in the higher education system, as everybody knows, of course. But uh, it's another way that maybe we can pique the interest of the public and some of our policymakers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a very good idea. You know, I um, there's there's been a movement at U of M to try to get the lecturers on a um, par with the faculty um, in terms of pay per class. Yes, pro-rata pay, yeah. Right, taking taking into consideration that, um, you know, full-time faculty have more uh, service requirements and other things and trying to uh, compensate for that as well, you know. But, you Mm -hmm. know, as far as instructional time, trying to get that, um, there's there's been a drive at at U of M for that. you know how successful it will be we'll we'll see but um in our contract i just looked up our contract um as far as a, if you're working full time the full time salary rate at dearborn is $27,300 for a lecturer 1 and 2 we have different levels of lecturers um and ann arbor it's 33,000 and that's that's your base full time pay um most lecturers are not teaching full time um but they can you know but, um, yeah, they can theoretically, depending on whether or not they're going to get the class assignments. And so exactly, on. exactly. Yeah, uh, which, which is which is another thing, you know, because your part timers are always on the uh, bottom when it comes to getting uh, assignments, right? They're the quite right. Yeah, yeah. maybe uh, we should take a moment to discuss that issue of flexibility. Sure, you know. Uh, adjunct and contingent faculty who can be hired on a very temporary basis. They have been very attractive, of course, to managers under the banner of flexibility, which they have also used the concept of flexibility to rationalize and legitimize what is basically exploitation. And what I mean by that is When you ask administrators, why can't you give more job security to Mm -hmm. adjunct and contingent faculty? They will say because they need the flexibility. Right. If you push on that a little bit, uh, what you'll see is that they pretty much know what the demand for uh, the courses are going to be. They, They really have a pretty good grasp on that. So... If you've got someone who's been teaching English composition or introduction to sociology or uh, uh, calculus programs, uh, uh, mathematics courses, these are like basic courses in, um, in, in, in colleges. And if you've got somebody who's been teaching that same course for four or five years or something like that, they've always had enrollment. What is your rationale referring to flexibility for not giving them a full-time contract? 
what is the rationale for just hire the, hiring them on every semester or even every year if you're lucky? Uh, but you see, the cry of flexibility is something else. I think it's imported essentially from the business world, mm -hmm. the notion of the just-in-time you know, staffing uh, or uh, supply chain idea. Uh, and I suppose that makes sense if you're running uh, certain kinds of assembly lines just in time. But even in their own terms, they don't really require the kind of flexibility that they talk about when they're justifying the very, very bad job security uh, w w that we're faced with, that we have to live with. Right. You know, and you know, most adjuncts don't know what they're teaching until sometimes the very, very last minute, right? And um, absolutely. You said, and you said earlier, if you're lucky, a year. You know, most of the time it's semester to semester. Correct. Um, yeah. You know, you don't get a year long contract or anything more than that. And um, it's it's like you said, just in time, which which is another part of the problem. It's not just pay. A lot of people want to talk about pay. Um, which is very important, obviously, but uh, job security, um, you know, it's flexibility for the college, but what about for the employee, right, who has to decide whether to teach at a second or third or fourth college and has schedules to juggle, right? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's very, very difficult. And, um, and like you said, it's, this, it's under this rhetoric of, of flexibility for the college and for the administrator. But when it comes to the employee, you just don't know. You can't plan ahead four months. You know, in, in September, when you get your job assignment, you don't know in January what you're going to be doing much of the time uh, for, for a lot of people. And it's, 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 uh, it's a bad situation. Now, some people, you know, every time I see this come up on um, – Inside higher ed or in other forums, there's always somebody in the comment section who says, why don't you get another job? Why don't you just find <laughs> another profession? Like, how do you answer that? Uh, well, um, yes, it, th th that does show up in, in the threads um, all the time. And I think one way to begin to answer it is that, look, actually, there is a constant demand for my skills. I know, I'm never unemployed. Right. And adjuncts and contingents, uh, you know, uh, again, as the majority faculty who are teaching really so many courses in, and in many institutions, they're teaching almost all the courses, mm -hmm. the fundamental basic courses in higher education. So why don't we why don't we ask this question the other way around? Aren't they rational in thinking that there is a constant demand for their services? And if there is a constant demand for their services, why are there these strange distortions of that demand in terms of caps, in, you know, on, on how much you can work in terms of the lack of any kind of evaluative process that can lead to uh, promotion, uh, the lack of any uh, notion of tenure or job security over time, which many people, right, even outside of the faculty, they have not tenure, but they have an increasing sense of job security as they, you know, become more experienced with a firm 
uh, and they stay with it and learn the uh, uh, learn the skills that are necessary within a particular kind of, of job. You know, the question really should be: Why is it that uh, adjunct and contingent faculty are denied the normal job culture and the normal uh, job uh, 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 security uh, that, that has been available to to others in in other segments of the economy? That's where I would start. I think that's, you see, uh, that's you a ask, good place to start. If you ask start. that question, then what what your critics will have to do is they'll say, well, but you know, in the business world, increasingly, uh, people, managers, have uh, tended to be looking for ways to hire part-time and limited employment uh, employees and so forth. At which point you can say, well, if what you want is a kind of Walmartization of all of the labor force in every domain, uh, including higher education, well, that might be what you get. Would you like that in, uh, in, in medicine? Uh, would you like that <laughs> in your airline pilots, which we in fact have begun to yeah, see certain sure airline have. pilots sleeping in their cars and parking lots? Yeah. How much of this do you want? Uh, do you really want that to spread uh, through, through the culture, through the population in the name of things like flexibility and efficiency. Uh, and if that's what you want, you should be clear about what, what exactly you want. And then you have to come back and say, and then when you talk to younger people or people who are out of work and looking for uh, some educational possibilities and you want to talk to them about access and opportunity again, you're going to have to say your ac this access and opportunity is about uh, part-time jobs that are doled out or not at the convenience of managers who have notions about what will be flexible for them. Um, All right, that's a that's a that's a good way to address that, I think. Um, so we're we're recording here on the nineteenth of February, two thousand fifteen, and uh, I know if somebody tunes in a year later because you you know it's a podcast, you can jump in at any time. Unfortunately, I'm sure a year from now, most of this will still be true. Uh, but there is a group of people, you know, there's, there's a there's a movement afoot <laughs> uh, right now to to bring some awareness to this. And I know we have to wrap up pretty soon, so I thought maybe we should talk a little bit about um, next week, uh, which would be the. Um, I think the 25th of February, there, there's a planned walkout day. That's well, it, it's sort of <laughs> the, the term planned um, <laughs> is, is very interesting. And yeah. uh, so, yes, uh, next week there is what I would call a uh, kind of grassroots uh, movement uh, afoot uh, to take that Wednesday, the 25th. And if you're a, an adjunct faculty member, to, to walk out and uh, um, maybe wear a button, um, maybe get at a table with some, some, some literature, uh, just maybe stand on, on the corner uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and somehow or another draw attention to all of the issues that, that you and I have been talking about, um, Eric. Uh, and uh, there is an associated thing called uh, called the uh, National Adjunct Awareness Week, uh, which is which is somewhat different. Uh, 
but I want to talk for a minute about National Adjunct Walkout Day, which if we were going to say it was sponsored, we would have to say it was sponsored by an anonymous person. Uh, because we don't really know, actually, who, start, who started this. Right. And it's a grassroots idea that is independent of any particular organization or union organization. Many of the uh, traditional unions uh, have uh, been very wary about the notion, and some have uh, warned their, uh, uh, their members uh, not to take part in it, actually. Uh, some have said, do not walk out, but uh, perhaps express your unhappiness in, in another way. Uh, as long as I have the microphone here, Eric, I'm going to say, please, just walk out, part-time or, or full-time. You know, I would rather that you walk out. There are, some, there are some legal issues in some places. If you're a public employee, for instance, in uh, New York State, um, theoretically, you're not allowed to take any kind of concerted job effort. And yeah. I know that uh, professional yeah. staff comp uh, uh, conference, uh, the PSC and other AFT and NYSET affiliate unions in, in New York State, UUP, they have issued, you know, I think rather alarmist things. You know, don't, you know, you can't do this. You can't walk out. It violates the uh, Taylor laws and so forth. Uh, but my view is, uh, the Taylor laws are about organized activity, and we can certainly say that the conventional unions have not organized this at all. That is, in fact, one of the problems, mm -hmm. uh, because for a very long period of time, a lot of us feel, and I think it is becoming absolutely obvious, that the national faculty unions have primarily concentrated on preserving the job security and wage structure of their full-time members, which is understandable. But I think adjuncts and contingents are, are now really ready to kind of claim their own place here, especially as we have become the majority. And that's what National Adjunct Walkout Day really is all about. Mm. Um, okay, so you heard it here from Alan Trevithick that um... – yeah, you know, he wants you to walk out. Uh, I know that um, at our, our our local um, the lectures employee organization, which is an AFT affiliate, um, is we're not encouraging people to walk out. It doesn't really matter because we're on spring break. So, <laughs> which I didn't even realize until a couple of days ago. This whole thing occurs during our spring break, so there's nothing yeah. to yeah, walk out of. So we, I know we, we that's we're, a problem, isn't it? It's a great symbolic problem for thinking about the problems of organizing such a disparate bunch of people. You pick right. a day, which sounds like a great idea, uh -huh. but some people aren't teaching that day. <laughs> yeah, <we're not. laughs> and you're on spring break. Yeah. <laughs> so spared, go out anyway. I've spared the, uh, I've spared the decision, but, um, but we are organizing, however. Oh, that's great. Um, an awareness week. Um, you know, you said something about buttons. We're talking about buttons, a uh, social media campaign, um, thinking about uh, putting something in the student newspapers. 
things like that just to raise awareness of the uh, the adjunct and part-time issue um, at U of M. But uh, <laughs> I guess we didn't have to come up with a, with a decision, uh, strictly speaking. But, but I, I know that if we did, <laughs> in Michigan, like in New York, it's also, uh, I mean, it's, it's illegal for us to do a, a coordinated action. It's illegal to strike. Um, I, I don't know if that would stop everybody. I, don't, I just don't know. But, uh, but it is you know, yeah, New York, but you know, illegal, in, but. In, in New York, it's illegal to strike. But on the other, if you're a public employee, but um, right. on the other, that that doesn't stop uh, transit workers and right and others. I mean, I I think it shows a certain level of uh, a certain lack of creativity, shall I yeah. say, to to immediately uh, you know discuss. Uh, you know, this as a kind of purely legal problem. I, I agree completely. Uh, yeah. Let me also say, I, I'm an adjunct at Fordham University, which is a private university, and uh, uh, and uh, as many adjuncts and contingents are. And of course, if you're at a private university, you you may or may not suffer some consequences by by walking out. But you're certainly not a public employee, and right. so you're not under that kind of. Uh, 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 you don't face that kind of problem. And then also, if you're at a private uh, institution that is not organized, I will point out uh, that uh, you as an adjunct are contingent at a private organization, especially under recent uh, decisions of the National Labor Relations Board. You as an adjunct are in a u- unique position to actually bring a union pr- presence into your private university because that has uh, basically been held to be perfectly okay to uh, advocate for collective bargaining if you're an adjunct you know there's this other problem of full-timers at private uh, places being regarded ha-ha as managers Uh, but this is simply not a problem with with adjuncts yeah that's that's true um, personally, I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of good comes from next week. You know, I hope there's some awareness raised, but ultimately it's, it's, it's a constant battle. And, you know, once, once next week is over, we still have to be figuring out ways to, to keep the dialogue going, keep, keep awareness going and, and, and kind of create and maintain solidarity, I think, in order to, to change the system, which, as you pointed out, has been changing since the 70s, just in a much more accelerated form in the last decade or two, right? I, I totally agree with you, Eric. Yeah, I mean, this is just one event, one one week, um, hopefully. And honestly, I don't – I mean, I'm just hoping for the best. I don't have a, a particular prediction. I know that there are many things going on throughout the country and also in Canada, by the way. And uh, – at the very least, maybe we'll be able to recognize other people, you know, throughout the country uh, who will have names attached to them. Uh, and then that will be that will give us a foundation for, for moving on with this struggle, which, as you say, has been going on a long time. But I think it's it, it it's um, entering a new phase of visibility. Yeah. And this is certainly part of it. Yeah, I I agree completely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really uh, I really appreciate you coming on to talk to us about this. Thanks, Eric. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, same here. Uh, so again, we have Alan uh, Trevithick, uh talking about adjunct issues, and uh, you can find show notes at ericmarshall.net slash 
great. Good to talk with you. Same here. Bye-bye now.